not long after the explosion, we talked about how do you worship when times are tough. I want us to revisit that for a couple of reasons. One, because tough times are on our minds lately. But also because you'll remember that not long ago, the church approved a set of plumb lines. Plumb lines, the idea that, that you, you hold, the, uh, hold the string at the bottom of the string, there's that plumb bob, it makes sure the string is straight, and then you can line all of your ministry and all that you do up along these plumb lines and make sure that you are on track and doing the, the things the way God wants them done. One of our plumb lines says, worship is about what we do for God not what the church does for us. And since we have just recently been thinking about those plumb lines and thinking last week we, uh, we looked at why we worship the way we do, I want to bring all of that together, what happened five years ago, what we've been thinking about lately, what we did last week, bring it all together, and let's revisit how do you worship when times are tough. If you have your Bible with you, go to the Old Testament and find the, the little book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk. It'll be relatively close to the end of the Old Testament. It's right before Zephaniah, right after Nahum. While you're looking, I'll, uh, I'll confess to you that there is still a, a great deal of debate on how Habakkuk's name should be pronounced. Some say Habakkuk, others say Habakkuk. What we've discovered is that there is a direct correlation between how you pronounce his name and your own physical appearance. The best-looking preachers pronounce it Habakkuk. So if you'll look in Habakkuk with me, we're in <laughs> chapter 3, beginning at verse 16. Habakkuk chapter 3, beginning at verse 16. Habakkuk has been told by God, he has, he has seen in his mind's eye what is about to happen as Babylon is about to come in and wipe out his people. The temple will be wiped out. Jerusalem will be wiped out. His people will be taken into exile or killed. He has seen what's about to happen. And then he says in verse 16 of chapter 3, I heard and my inward parts trembled. Have you ever gotten news? that made your inward parts tremble? I'll always remember the phone call. Larry Sparks said the fertilizer plant exploded. I took a quick mental inventory. Ashley's on the bus with Coach Woodard. She's okay. Lisa is sitting in the car next to me while we're driving down Highway 6, I know she's okay. If Ashley's okay and Lisa's okay, we're going to be okay. I took a mental inventory. And I told Larry on the phone, 
we got to get home and take care of the dog. Once we take care of the dog, then I'll get out and see what else we need to do. I hung up. The phone rang a second time, just seconds later. It was Larry Sparks again. He said, John, you don't understand. You don't have a home to go home to, and you probably don't have a dog. And that's when I finally started realizing what was happening. The inward parts trembled. By the way, as you know, the dog is, is still with us, and she's fine. If you want her, you can have her. She's basically worthless. <laughs> But you, <laughs> but you've gotten news, perhaps it was the same news, but you've gotten news where the inward parts trembled. Habakkuk says, at the sound, my lips quivered. Decay enters my bones, and in my place I tremble because I must wait quietly for the day of distress, for the people to arise who will invade us. Terrible times, friends. Terrible times. We had no, we had no warning. They don't, they don't blow the big siren to tell everybody to take cover before something like this. Habakkuk had warning, but because of his warning, it caused him to tremble inside as he, as he thought about what was about to happen, the devastation that was about to take place. It caused him to tremble. It caused his lips to quiver. Decay, he felt, entering his bones Terrible times. How does one of faith respond in a time like that? Look at verse 17. Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exult in the Lord. Which takes us to the first thing that I want us to, to recognize this morning. If I can find my little toy. And that is that worship is a choice. Maybe a better, better word there would even be decision. Worship is a decision. It's a choice. Habakkuk says, even if everything around me is failing, the bad guys are coming, my hometown's going to be destroyed, he says, but if there's never another fruit that grows on the vine, if there's never another fig that grows on the tree, if there's never another critter in the right place, if the stalls are empty because all of our cattle and horses and everything's dead, if life is the worst I can imagine, 
still I will exalt in the Lord. The word exalt means to praise and to worship. It's a choice. It's a decision that we can make. Regardless of what's happening around us, we can choose to worship. You see, worship is one of those things that, that is easy or hard based on our circumstances. When life is good, man, the money's rolling in. Everybody loves us. Nobody's mad at us. Everything's going our way. Man, it's good. It's easy to praise God. I can show up at 1015, raise my hands in the air, and I can, I can sing as, and, just, and, and just worship, and good things are happening. Thank you, Jesus. That's easy. But what do we do after we get the call from the doctor that changes how we understand life? What do we do when we get the bills in the mail that far overrun the bank account? What do we do when we show up for work on Monday and the boss says don't come back on Tuesday? Can we still worship? Is worship only a way to celebrate? Or can we, like Habakkuk, choose? We make a decision. I will exult in the Lord regardless of my circumstances. Because, you see, worship is not about what's happening to me. Worship is about him. And he never changes. Therefore, he is always worthy of our worship. Circumstances change, but the Lord God Almighty never changes. And so regardless of what's happening around me, I can choose, I can decide to worship him. Acts chapter 15, or 16. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Well, you see, okay, they stayed up late, so what big deal? You remember where they were at the time? They were in a cold, dark prison. They had been serving God, they had been good people doing good things for good reasons, and they still got thrown in jail. Tell me life's not fair. Life is not fair. Stop expecting life to be fair. Paul and Silas were good people doing good things for good reasons, and they still got thrown in jail. Now, what would you and I do? Some of us on some days, can we be honest? Some of us on certain days would say, God, how dare you let this happen? I'm a good person doing good things for good reasons. How, how can I be in prison? And we would sit and sulk. What did they do? They said, even if there's no, no cattle in the stalls, even if there's no fruit on the vine, even if there's no fig on the tree, even if there's no olive growing, I will exult in the Lord. And at midnight, 
They're praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. They were learning. They were seeing and understanding that worship is a choice. It's a decision. And so how powerful the words of the song by Casting Crowns. I was sure by now, God, you would have reached down and wiped our tears away. Stepped in and saved the day. But once again, I say amen. Though it's still raining and the thunder rolls, I barely hear you whisper through the rain, I'm with you. And I'll praise you in the storm. And I'll lift my hands. That you are who you are, no matter where I am. And every tear I've cried, you hold in your hand. You never left my side. And though my heart is torn, I'll praise you in the storm. Because worship is a choice. The second thing that we can learn from Habakkuk is that worship is about focus. See, it's about focus. He he says in 17, that whole list, the fig tree might not blossom. There might not be fruit on the vines. There's no yield from the olive trees. The fields might produce no food. And the flock might be cut off from the fold. And there might not be any cattle. But he says, I am not going to focus on those things. Instead, I'm going to focus on who God is. Beloved, that is the heart of worship. That is the essence of worship. We are not focusing on the things around us. Or by that, for that reason, we are not focusing on the people around us. Stop worrying about what somebody down the pew is going to think about how you worship. We stop focusing on the things here because our focus is on an almighty God who is worthy of our worship. He deserves our worship. He demands our worship and he desires our worship. We give him the worship that he deserves. And worship is about focus. This is such a great statement of faith where he says, even if all that stuff happens, yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. His focus is right. Worship is about focusing on him. That's what Paul learned. That's what he told the Philippians. I'm not saying this, he said, because I'm in need. He had been talking to them about monetary needs, about financial concerns. He said, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. There is the secret to joy. I've learned to be content regardless of the circumstances. You know, there are some really rich people who have a heck of a lot who are very unhappy people. And there are some people who have very little next to nothing who are very joyful people. Because you see, joy is not dependent upon 
stuff. It's not dependent upon circumstances. Some of you are unhappy today because you keep trying to find happiness by getting more money or more stuff or more property or more land. You'll never be happy. Because the only way we find true joy is when we, like Paul, can say, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Worship is about focus. I'm not going to worry about my circumstances, about the stuff around me, about what's happening, because I'm focused on who he is. Worship is about focus. Worship is also about him. Worship is about him. It's not about you. It's about him. Next Sunday, we're going to meet at the field on the south end of town across the street from Aderhole. The reason we meet there is to remember the Sunday that we had to meet there. You know, the Sunday right after the explosion. We couldn't get to church in time to get everything ready and, and, and have worship. And so folks were calling. They, folks started calling Friday. The, the, the explosion happened Wednesday e- evening. And by Friday, I was getting calls. Are we going to have church on Sunday? And my answer was always the same. We're having church. I don't know where, I don't know how, but we having church. Why? Two reasons, and those same two reasons draw us back to the field every year. Those same two reasons define what we do on that day, and they need to define what we do on every Sunday. The two reasons that we found a way to have church are these. One, because we are family. And family need each other at a time like that more than any other. And two, because God is worthy of our worship regardless of our circumstances. He hasn't changed. He is still worthy of our worship. What if every Sunday we gathered with those two purposes? We get together because we're family, and we get together because God is worthy of our worship. Worship is about Him. Psalm 29 says it this way, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. He deserves it. He's worthy of it. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. The Revelation says it this way, You are worthy our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. He is worthy of our worship, therefore worship is about him. So let me just challenge you as we conclude our time together. Remember that worship is a decision and you can make a choice to worship him. Remember that worship is about focus. And you can take your eyes off of the stuff and the people and the problems and the circumstances and focus on him. Because worship is ultimately all about him. So let's commit ourselves to worshiping him no matter what. Because he's worthy of our praise. Let's do all we can to glorify him 
throughout this entire region. Let's adore him in Abbott. Let's admire him in Aquila. Let's applaud him in Axtell. Let's bless him in Byron. Let's boast of him in Bynum. Let's champion him in Chalk Bluff. Let's crown him in Carl's Corner. Let's delight in him in Downsville. Let's exalt him in Elmont. Glorify him in Golson. Let's hallow him in Hillsboro. Let's imitate him in Irene. Let's live for him in Lacey Lakeview. Let's lift him up in Leroy. Marvel at him in Mart. Magnify him in Malone. Let's obey him in Osceola. Let's praise him in Penelope. Let's proclaim him in Peoria. Let's rejoice in him in Robinson. Let's revere him in Ross. Let's sing of him in Spiegelville. Let's talk about him in Tokyo. Let's teach about him in Tours. Let's wonder at him in Waco. Let's witness for him in Whitney. And let's worship him in West because he deserves it. He is and will always be worthy of our worship.